We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello to everyone listening to That Platinum Mask Podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me all damn day, Will All Day, and he is currently the heavyweight champion of reality of wrestling. And this was kind of a chat that really kind of popped up. Um, you know, when I reached out, I kind of saw him pop up on some, uh, you know, recent blog articles and watched a, a couple of uh, podcast clips. But really, uh, kind of the idea behind wrestling was something I have yet to cover on the podcast. And, you know, outside of kind of just working, uh, you know, hang out with some friends and some of them showing me some WWE clips, this was, you know, something that I've always kind of wondered on, on the actual background and the setup and the logistics and what it takes to become someone in kind of the wrestling background. So, you know, thank you again, Will, for, you know, being interested in kind of this podcast and jumping on and explaining, you know, what you do and how you got involved. Hey, Grayson, thank you for having me. And I'm pretty excited to pop your wrestling cherry here. Uh, <laughs> I know, uh, I know it's not. Uh, super mainstream anymore, but we're looking to turn that around and get back on the right track. Well, cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, really, I wanted to kind of just first ask about, um, I, I guess, your beginnings on uh, getting involved, because I, I remembered reading, uh, you know, about kind of your uh, biology ma- major in Rice University. And, you know, kind of wondering, you know, what, how, what's the normal background of someone coming to wrestling and, you know, how'd you go from that to uh, getting involved? Were you uh, watching wrestling like in college? Well, I will tell you, um, the normal way to get into it is not with a biology degree. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, so it's it's definitely changed over the years, and now it's definitely a lot more accessible. You can go on the internet and kind of find different training schools and academies um, all over the U.S. It's just picking where you want to go because just like with colleges or universities, you can go to pretty much any college or university nowadays. It's, it's picking the right one and it's picking the one that is best suited for you and your goals. And so I knew that when I got into this, I wanted to go be in an elite league like WWE or AEW or new Japan. And to do that, you needed to train with, people who had been there and done it, who had been to the mountaintop. And so I looked and right in my backyard was Booker T, who was a multi-time world champion. He's a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. He still works with the WWE. And so I knew that that being in my backyard of Houston, Texas, that that was a place for me to go. I didn't have to change up my lifestyle as of yet. And I had a job that was flexible enough to still allow me to work and train at the same time because training really when you start 
is a full-time gig and you've got to jump into it head first. And so I was there probably four hours every evening, um, every weeknight evening at least, and then doing shows on the weekend. So it's a full-time gig on top of, you know, your working profession. Mm-hmm. And so it just happened to be fortuitous that it was right here where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I, I want to kind of ask on, you know, the actual, the training process and, you know, for a lot of beginners getting involved. Cause I remember checking on the website, I think the reality of wrestling, some of like the training opportunities they offer. And I remembered saying like on the beginner courses, it was kind of saying, I kind of understood on like their assessment, like agility and some of the physical attributes, but it was saying something like, um, uh, it was like ring psychology. And I was kind of wondering what that meant on, on the importance of something like that. Oh man, it's huge. And you don't really get to that until you have a baseline knowledge of kind of everything that goes into the physicality part first, because, you know, we want to make sure that you have the conditioning to be able to go and not hurt yourself. And then once you can do that, you have to have the conditioning to not hurt the other person in the ring with you. Because at the end of the day, safety is the number one priority because it's not like MMA or football where you're competing once every now and then. This is a two to four times a week type thing. And so we're going to have to go to battle Thursday night and then get up Friday and some people got to go to work. Some people do this full time. It depends on kind of, I guess, what level you're at, how long you've been doing it. And we got to do it again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, you know, the most important thing is making sure that you can go again. You're, you're keeping everybody safe. And so once you have that established and, you know, they run you through a rigorous conditioning course before you're even allowed in the ring, they have to make sure that, you know, that they can trust you in there with somebody else. And then you start, learning different holds and you start learning different techniques and you start learning uh, the ways to get around the ring. And then once you kind of learn all these moves and all these holds, then you start trying to put matches together. And that's where ring psychology comes in. It's you can train any Joe Schmo to do these moves because if you have an elite trainer, then they can teach anybody what they're doing. It It's putting it together. It's telling the story, you know, because wrestling at its core is a story of good versus evil, essentially, you know, in so, their variations, obviously you got to keep it fresh, but essentially it's a bad guy versus a good guy. And it's telling the story of the good guy is this elite wrestler and this bad guy's getting frustrated. And so he's taking cheap ways out to get on top and take control of the match. And then the good guy overcomes at the end. And then, you know, depending on where they're going in the next matches or the storyline, uh, the finish of the match will be um, figured out. But psychology is essentially putting the moves that you learned into spots where it would make sense in the match. And so once you start realizing everything that goes into this, which I did, you know, once I got in there and started training, there's such an appreciation and respect for it if you really like break everything down and see everything that's being like put into it, because it is such, it, it, it really is like Shakespeare meets gladiator. You know, it's, it's the mesh of these two things that are so physical and so dramatic and so emotional. 
and trying to find that perfect balance to where you can inspire and, you know, put the, or like put the crowd in awe while telling this story while bringing them in emotionally and not just physically or violently. So it's, it's something that definitely caught my eye when I was younger. And now that I am knee deep in it, or I guess neck deep now, um, I am that much more invested because it is just, it, it really is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. No, like, and I wanted to ask, um, you know, when you touch up on, you're kind of saying like four to five uh, events a week. I remember kind of saying a Joe Rogan's podcast where they're kind of mentioning, uh, I think the Undertaker was mentioning like an eight year stretch where he was like almost like 300 dates a year. And I wanted to ask you on that, like, in a situation, if someone kind of goes from, you know, maybe they're not doing a job anymore and like they're doing this wrestling full time, how do you kind of like maintain that? I guess that level of motivation, you know, outside of just like physically being able to do it, um, you know, how do you how, how do you personally stay like motivated for that type of schedule? Well, I, I mean, it, it really comes down to passion for the product, passion for what you yourself is doing, passion for perfection. I, everybody finds their own motivated mo- motivators, right? And so for me specifically, um, I haven't, I've been wrestling full time uh, since June of 2020. And so, you know, I, I don't know, it, sometimes the motivator is money too. And you got to think about that. Like right now, I'm picking my spots and I'm wrestling on shows that I want to wrestle on. I'm wrestling on shows that are going to get me to where I want to be in the future. And so that's my motivator right now is exposure is, am am I getting on these big shows? Am I getting on the right shows? Am I getting in front of the right people? Because like I said, I, I want to do this at the top level. I want to do this in WWE or AEW or new Japan. I want to do these, do this in these top companies. And so that's my motivation. A lot of people's motivation is, I want to do as many matches as I can because I I just want to get really good at this or I just love this so much. And so I can't speak for everybody else because there are so many things that are going to go into this. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing this full time, you got to do this for money, too. Right. And so the more you do it, the more money you make, the more towns you hit, uh, the more cash that's going to go into your bank account. And so that's a lot of it. It's there's a lot of like hey, I, I really want to wrestle this guy. I've, I've watched him on TV. I've looked up to him. So I'm going to take that booking, right? There's, hey, this guy's going to pay me three times what I get paid normally. So I'm going to go take that booking. Or there's a new city or there's a new uh, country that I'm going to wrestle in. So I'm going to take that booking. There's so many different factors that it really is a cool industry to be part of. And I compare it to a musician. You're on tour, essentially. Except musicians have cycles. Whereas wrestlers it's a full-time gig there's no off season so you have to make your own off time and that's all on you if if you're not going to say you want a day off then if you're a hot commodity these people are going to book you non-stop in texas in delaware in california in new york in north dakota in alaska you know it, it's it's such a volatile sport and it there's so much diversity that uh, there's no one blanket answer for a lot of these questions. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I wanted to um, 
really when you kind of mention on some of being able to look on kind of the news or other stations on people you want to fight and you kind of touch up on earlier on uh really the dynamic being you have to have the hero and the villain and a lot of these ringside matches I wanted to ask with, you know, with your character, do you, with kind of the all damn day, uh, is that, uh, you know, do you go in, are you normally the hero? Are you the villain? Does it, does it typically like ever switch up or, you know, do they, from a creative process, is it, are you always the hero? Um, well, a lot of the time, uh, that's dependent on the talent. And so you have a conversation with the producer of the certain event, like each event I go to, uh, say I have a show in Dallas. I have a show in Houston this weekend. And I have a show in Dallas next weekend, and then I have two shows in Garland the next weekend. Um, each of those shows are completely separate companies, so they have their own storylines, they have their own characters, mm-hmm. they have their own producers, and so that's a conversation that you have uh, normally before you get booked and before you get brought in. That hey, this is the type of character I am right now, and that's how you. Uh, you negotiate that and you know if they're looking for a bad guy and you're a good guy maybe maybe you're a bad guy there right mm-hmm. um, but typically typically if you're a good guy in an area you're going to stay a good guy in that specific area and so right now I am a baby face is what it's called it, the good guys are called baby faces and mm-hmm. I started my career as a heel which is a bad guy and I did that for quite a while and then different factors go into this like I said there's no one blanket answer for all this but the crowd started rallying behind me and getting behind me and whether that be like them liking me as a person or liking the moves I do or the gear I I wear or you know like the things I say there's so many different things that'll like pull them in that you start gaining momentum and you start changing the booze to cheers one by one and then you know, even as a bad guy, you start getting cheered and cheered and cheered. You know, at some point, you got to look to produ- look to the producer and be like, hey, man, like something's going on here. We got to change something up. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of how that worked. And I've been a good guy, I guess, for a few years now. And um, and really, I like to keep it that way. You know, I like I like the adulation. I like the cheers. Right. Who doesn't? Who doesn't <laughs> want that? Right. And, and, you know, it's a show. So like you're playing a role, but a lot of the times the best performers are themselves, you know, some people can play these characters and some people can do this method acting while they're performing and competing. But uh, the best players, the best competitors, the best performers, and you hear this all the time with Hall of Famers and top guys, they all say the same thing. It's just you and your personality and it's being turned up to a hundred, you know, you're taking what's really deep down in there and just turning the volume up because obviously I'm not going to go be in somebody's face and tell them how damn good I am uh, out on the street uh, at a Wendy's. Right. But if I'm on the stage or in the ring and I have, you know, 500 people around me all chanting my name, I'm going to soak that in and I'm going to like really take that energy and use it to my benefit. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I I guess, uh, did you want to expand on like the, I guess where the name kind of all damn day came from and I I guess specifically, you know, what, what you, uh, I I guess that type of persona within the ring. Yeah. And and like I said, it, a lot of my, and not just me, but a lot of people 
they search and search and search for this character and this like mm-hmm. this type of person they want to be. And I know that I even had, um, gosh, one of the trainers when I first started, he was doing our like promo class in a promo is where you kind of talk to the audience, whether through the camera or on the microphone to the live audience. And so when we're doing this promo class, he's saying, Hey, you know, all you guys are watching all these people on TV and you know, there's all these like great wrestlers and they just want to be great. And that's their passion is just being really, really good in the ring. But you know, not everybody can do that. Really how you're going to find success is zoning in or honing in on a character. And I just kept trying to think of like, what hasn't been done before? What can I do that's unique and special? And it's so hard to try to like think of something that's never been done before or like (laughs) something that's not you just because it's unique. And so I, I tried and I tried and I tried. And then finally, like I just started really gaining momentum and really, um, I guess just getting in the zone and really like finding my place, just being myself. And so that's what I started doing. And, and, you know, there are little tweaks here and there. Like I said, I'm not going to do all this stuff I would on the street. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I started really putting my own personality into things. And I, you know, I'm naturally a, an athlete. So I'm naturally intense and aggressive and I'm a smaller guy. So I have to be even more over the top because <laughs> I have to compensate for that lack mm-hmm. of size. And so I got to throw speed in there and explosiveness and intensity and blah, blah, blah. But you know, you, you get the gist of it. So I started, I started throwing bits of my own personality in there and that's when I really started gaining momentum. And, and I just kept going back to, man, you, you, not everybody can go be the best in the world. You have to find your niche. You have to find your place. And then I just kept replaying it over and over in my mind. And I was like, you're, you're right. You're right. Not everybody can be, but I can be. And so that's when it, that's when it really hit me. It's like, no, I know this. I believe this 100%. I do. I, I can do this. You know, it's, it's not just, it's not just coming from an ego thing. It's definitely like something I've thought about over and over and over. And I know that I got into this for a reason. I got into this to be uh, standing on that mountaintop. You know, I didn't want to be part of the team. I wanted to be the guy with the ball. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that motivation, that confidence, that true, like, unwavering confidence in myself to push myself and be the best that I can be just really brought out who I am now in the ring. And then all damn day, will all day is me, you know, my real name is will all day. And so growing up, I've always wanted to see that name in lights. I've always wanted to see that name on the stadium or on the side of Madison square garden. And that's what I'm really, really like excited about is pushing that, the furthest it can possibly go. And, you know, I know I'm going on quite a while, but I'm going to throw <laughs> just another little story. Um, when I started Booker T said, brought me into the office and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to give you a name. It's going to be Will Lockhart. And he goes, and he looked at me straight in the eyes. He goes, what do you think about it? <laughs> and I'm brand new talking to a two-time Hall of Famer who's been <laughs> around and done everything. And he's asking me what I think about what he's doing to my name. And, you know, my response was just honest. It was like, well, you know, I think it sucks. I'd rather use my name. And mm-hmm. he was like, well, you know, what name do you have? And I told him Will Alday. And he didn't know this was my name at the time. So he just starts mm-hmm. laughing. 
And he goes, man, that's, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I was just caught off guard because obviously I didn't know that he didn't know that was my name. And so one of the producers was like, Hey book, um, that's his real name. And he, and he stops laughing. He goes, Oh, well, well, you can't make money with that name. So we're going to have to go ahead and change it. And so <laughs> then now I'm, now I have another obstacle and now I'm trying to prove to Booker T that I'm going to make money with this name. So I do, I wrestle at his promotion at reality of wrestling for, I think a year, an entire year with a different name but I went to every single other promotion um, in a different city in different States. And I wrestled as Will all day and I built that name and I busted my ass and I went around and I made damn sure that he knew that when I came back that you can make money with that name. And you know what, to this day on record, he admits that he's wrong. You know, he doesn't want to have a long conversation about it. He's like, okay, we're done with that. Yes, I was wrong. We're past it. But Mm -hmm. you know, that is such a victory for me because that, that is even more so important to me than winning a championship or winning a trophy or anything, because this is real, you know, all, all mm-hmm. this other stuff, you know, as real as it is, as real as the physicality is it's storyline. It's, it's fiction to an extent, but my name to me is real. And I am so proud and so glad and so happy that I busted my ass and I, and I followed through on doing something like that. Mm-hmm. No, like uh, when you kind of mentioned earlier, uh, I guess that relationship with uh, promoters in different states and maybe you're going into area you've never been before and they're not well aware of the character. Has there been, I guess, like a tangible, have you been noticing uh, with kind of Will all day that maybe you're going into an area where they're familiar, they're starting to become more familiar with the name? And, you know, do you see like a change within, I guess, crowd participation, everything when like they're well aware of your character? Yeah. Yeah. And it's very cool because in the beginning, like, like you said, um, when I'm going to these new cities and I don't have enough credit essentially for my name yet, you go in, you have to win the crowd over from the very beginning, from the moment you step outside the curtain you have to be on and you have to work it. It's not just in the ring. It's as soon as you step outside that curtain and you make your entrance, that's got to be will all day, the performer will all day, the wrestler, not will all day, the person. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is hard, especially as a good guy, because you got to get people to cheer you, you know, and that's <laughs> hard enough to do. If they don't know you, it's easy to get people to boo you. It's easy being a bad guy and going somewhere for the first time. But being a good guy and coming out and trying to get cheers and trying to get sympathy, um, that's tough. And so when I was doing that, I would get bad anxiety just, just about the entrance. You know, like I know <laughs> I know I'm going to do great in the ring, but it's like, man, I hope I hope they cheer for me when I come out of this curtain. Mm-hmm. I hope they cheer for me when I step on that stage because that can wreck some people. And I know that it has. And and so, you know, fast forward uh, three years later, because I've been doing this about three and a half years now. Um, I went to a show in New Jersey and that's the first time I've ever been up there in New Jersey. I think I went, um, a few weeks ago and I saw a bunch of Will Alday shirts and the crowd, you know, all four sides is chanting all damn day or all day or will all day. And that's an awesome feeling because I don't know these people. I I've never met these people, but They've watched me on social media or on the different shows that I've been on or on TV. And that's a cool feeling. I went to 
uh, the Fertitta Center in Houston. It's at U of H campus. And instead of the five, like three to 600 people shows that we do, I'm going to this arena that has 8,500 people in it. And I'm not even getting an entrance. I'm walking out there with no music, no, no fanfare uh, from the company because I'm not signed to, I did an AEW show and I'm not signed to the company yet. So they're sending me out there uh, essentially just um, as meat. And I get in the ring before the match starts, no music and the crowd, you know, 360 degrees is chanting my name. 8,500 people are (laughs) chanting my name. And that's an awesome feeling no matter who you are. And so to see that, to just be thrown out there like I was nothing and the crowd responding and reacting and having my back is such an awesome feeling that, uh, you know, you can never really get used to. Uh, And they say that adrenaline is a hell of a drug and by God it is because that (laughs) is something that if for the rest of my life, you know, um, I... I, I would do that if I could just come out of that curtain and not wrestle and go cut a promo or just perform in some kind of way. You know, this is this is something that I've only dreamed of, and it's something that I felt I was born to do. And now for it to come to fruition is really a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and kind of one thing I wanted to ask about, and, you know, definitely with the uh, wrestling background, it would kill me if I didn't really ask about, you know, the strategies when it comes to, I guess, getting pain or, you know, taking hits. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, when I've watched kind of WWE clips as a kid, I would always kind of talk with friends and like it would range from everything's fake to like some of this real to all of it's real. And, you know, I'd see kind of videos, some some of this stuff. I'm like, okay, is that strategy involved or do you just have to be really good at just taking a hit to the face? And kind of want to ask you that on, uh, you know, with some of the stunts you've done, is there, is it, is it like a trained process or do you just naturally have to be good at being, you know, thrown through a table? It's a little bit of both. And, you know, um, you always laugh at uh, these people who say, oh, well, he knows how to fall when you, you jump off the ladder or you go through a table. Uh, you don't you don't practice that. You don't get trained to do that because it hurts enough one time that you don't want to do it two, three, four, five times. So once is enough on that. And when the cameras are rolling and the adrenaline's pumping and the crowd's cheering, that's when you do it because... Yeah, I mean, what? it's always a faux pas hearing, like, you know, fake, right? Because people just throw that around as uh, something negative because they don't really know what they're talking about. They can't really um, grasp what's going on and appreciate and respect, like, everything that goes into it. I will say that, yes, you get taught to try to hit the mat, the ring, as safely as possible because, obviously, as just physics, more surface area hitting the mat. Uh, it's going to hurt less, but it's still at the end of the day, it's steel beams with, uh, wood on top of it. That's why you hear that big loud clacking because it's steel and wood. You know, there's a thin layer of canvas over the top to, you know, hopefully you don't cut yourself or, you know, really screw up your elbows or anything, but you're still hitting solid wood and steel. And so that sucks. Anything to the outside sucks. A chair shot. There's no fake chairs. They're all real chairs. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's it it sucks. It hurts, but you do this for the performance. You do this 
because you love it, because you're an athlete, because you know, you're a sucker for the pain, whatever people's motivators are, that's what they do it for. But no, I mean, it, it hurts. You know, when you're throwing a punch to the face, you're not trying to punch through the guy's face. It's not ballet. There are going to be mistakes, but you know, it's not like acting to where you can have eight takes to throw a punch that is a foot away from the guy and you can get a good camera angle. This has to be done the right way the first time. There are no second takes and there's no other angles that you can catch to make a punch a mile off look good. So you have to make contact on everything. And, and so, yes, it's, it's painful. It's physical. And yeah, you're trying to keep each other safe, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of um, reacting. It's a lot of improv. It's a lot of like being well-trained. There's so many different things that go into it and you can really see what makes the difference between a bad performer and a good performer and a great performer and an elite performer. There are so many different things. And a lot of the times, uh, somebody who's not really in the know doesn't really know exactly why they think that this guy's better than this guy or, or they like this guy more. It's the little things that these great performers do, uh, the little tiny things, you know, it's not the moves, it's the stuff in between that separate you. And, you know, that's lost to the naked eye. It's lost to the untrained eye, I'll say. And so there's just so much that goes into it. Uh, but yes, in a roundabout way to answer your question, it hurts. Now, was there, when you kind of talked about, uh, you know, trying to actually aim for the mat and, uh, you know, but even though then it's still really hard material, I guess within, you know, your, uh, one of your first few matches, was there anything that you just really botched or maybe when the adrenaline was kicked in, like maybe you lost footing on something or maybe you landed on your elbows? Was there any, was there like a really painful moment that maybe it was a mess up at the time? Um, there's always accidents and I, I don't, I wouldn't say mess ups. Um, I've, um, I'll hold my hat on this, hang my hat on this, but I, I don't, ever botch and I'm, you know, crossing my fingers, thank God. Uh, but, uh, you know, I take pride in that. I take pride in not trying to do stuff just to do it or do crazy stuff because it's going to get a reaction. You know, I try to do stuff, um, traditionally do things the right way, do things that I know are going to look good. So I'm not trying to take risks that are not a very high percentage. Um, so, so no, no on that aspect, but you know, I've gotten hurt plenty of times because things happen and, you know, somebody drops you on your head or somebody throws you into the steel or hits you with a chair or something. And, you know, as much as they're trying to keep you safe, it's still, it's still life. They're human beings. They're not robots. They're not machines. So, you know, I've, I've been concussed. I've had a broken collarbone. Um, you know, pulled muscles, broken tendons, uh, a plethora of things. It, but with something like this too, since it's not every few months I'm wrestling, you, the show must go on. So I know that uh, in a show with Brendan Steen, it was a, a street fight at Reality of Wrestling. I got thrown into the stairs and broke my collarbone a minute in, maybe. And... And, you know, I'm just like, ow, that hurts. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, we got to keep going. And so I had to wrestle 15 more minutes with a cracked collarbone. And I didn't even notice until 
the match was over and the adrenaline came down and I'm like, Oh, I can't really lift my arm. And so, you know, stuff like that happens. And then, you know, if, if you pull something or you get hurt and you got something the next day, you know, if it's, if it's not bad enough, you got to keep going. Like I said, the, the motto is always the show must go on. Mm -hmm. When you're, um, you know, you kind of mentioned a a few of the people that you fought with that, um, you know, uh, where situations where you got hurt, was there, uh, I kind of wanted to ask earlier on really when you're kind of going into these new towns and you're going and you're working with all these different motors and going to all these new locations and you're going as, you know, will all day as this unified character, do you have like a, like a, a common villain that you go for to, or is it always different for every, uh, promoter situation? Like, has there been, um, you know, any kind of long lasting teammates or, uh, you know, antagonists to this story? Uh, no long lasting teammates, but yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, every promotion is independent and individual. So it's kind of just based on who they want to see me wrestle or who, who they want to see me in a storyline. But, um, I know that I've wrestled, uh, Cameron Cole. Oh gosh, a plethora of times. And he's a guy from reality of wrestling as well. And we have honestly, we were buddies. And so we have traveled together for years. And so we would, we went to England on a tour. We go all over the U S we, and we've wrestled each other countless times because we're so good together. We have that chemistry to where a lot of the times, uh, it is a lot of improv. It's a lot of, we know where each other are going to be in certain moments. And so people see that and they want that match on their show. And so sure. They'll like, they brought it to Chicago. They brought it to Los Angeles. They brought it to Tennessee um, they want that good guy, that bad guy, that protagonist, that antagonist, um, because they really like what they saw. But normally, for the most part, um, it's they're trying to line up different people with different times because a lot of people want to do matches that nobody's ever seen before, or at least their crowd hasn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and when you kind of uh, when you bring up Cameron Cole, um, I know when I was kind of looking at the the website that you have um, a few upcoming events. And I, I think he was one of the headliners uh, that you're fighting. Uh, did you want to expand on the uh, next couple of weekends for September on um, some of the events you have popping up? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I know that uh, the 11th I'll be in Houston for reality of wrestling and I'll be up in your neck of the woods up in the Dallas area on the 18th for Palais Pro Wrestling. I'm going to be wrestling Cameron Cole. And uh, I already took his Reality of Wrestling title. I'm going to go take his Palais Pro Championship. And then on the 25th and 26th, New Japan, which is the biggest company in Japan, is coming for a tour. And they are coming to Garland. And I will be on both shows, both on the 25th, which is a Saturday, and the 26th, which is a Sunday. And... uh you know, uh, I do a lot of Dallas shows. I do a lot of Texas shows in general, uh, but they're getting more scarce uh, because I'm expanding and going to different places around the U.S. more so. And that's where my focus is now to kind of build a bigger brand and, you know, go on different tours and build the exposure that I'm probably only going to be wrestling in Texas twice a month from now on. And Mm -hmm. You know, so if you guys are listening to this and do want to get 
uh, tickets to the show, please let me know. Hit me up on social media. Come see me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, to kind of wrap this up, I, I wanted to ask on that. Um, when you kind of mention, you know, uh, a, a Japanese organizations coming out to the U.S. and you kind of talked about with you and Cole going out to England um, with these wrestling opportunities. I wanted to ask, you know, would there be any kind of future goal as far as any other countries or maybe any countries out there that um, you respect as far as like how um, impressive their wrestling scene is? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I-, I would love to go back to England uh, or to the UK because we wrestled in a couple countries over there uh, because in Europe, I guess in general, the, I mean, just looking at like soccer fans, looking at, uh, I guess, football <laughs> fans, you would say, the the fanatics are just feverish. It's It's so different from how people watch sports over there than it is here. People are standing the entire time. They're chanting the entire time. The atmosphere is electric. It, it really is something cool to watch. And, you know, there are a handful of places here that are like that. But here it's more so they want to appreciate it as a family atmosphere. They want to sit down and enjoy the show, which I like to do too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a performer, I like people standing up and yelling and screaming and having the noise and having the energy. And so mm-hmm. there is somewhere where I'm really wanting to go back once these COVID protocols stop. Um, I've got some Mexico dates lined up. Uh, and then obviously I'd like to go to Japan where it's respected really as a sport over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those are my top three countries to go to right now. Oh, definitely. No, that's really cool about I didn't know about the uh, Mexico dates. They'll be really cool. Are you going to fight uh, some luchadors? Yeah, yeah, we'll see, and I'm pro- I probably will be a bad guy down there. Oh, okay, no, no, that'll be uh, really cool to see. No, I definitely, uh, definitely want to see some videos on that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, definitely. Um, you know, I wanted to thank you again, Will, for helping out this podcast episode today. Um, really, just kind of expanding the information on, you know, what it takes to get involved. Um, you know, some of the logistics, working with promoters kind of coming up with stage names, uh, you know, the creative side and, you know, and then also kind of talking about some of the events coming up and, you know, some of, uh, you know, what you're really looking forward to, but no, it was really cool to kind of talk about and, uh, you know, definitely an amazing introduction to wrestling for myself and everyone listening. Hey, I appreciate you having me on Grayson. I really do. And, you know, um, I'm glad that we got to get some wrestling on your chat. Um, I'm glad that, uh, you give me a little more brand exposure uh, on your podcast, and I want to say thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the theplatinummask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at graymask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.